welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father, none of us are priests. I am one of your co-hosts, Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. I'm joined by only one other co-host right now, Tyler Big Irby Urbach. How you doing, dude? What's up? How are we, how are we doing tonight? Excited. Uh, we're recording a little late in the week, but that's all right. Uh, we'll we'll, hit, we'll hit our, our Thursday night recap here shortly. Yes, sir. We're going to do our recap and then dive into our early game start sits. Uh, as you can tell by now, if you've been listening, we're missing our other co-host, Jimbo Dreer. He is busy doing work stuff, being an adult. Sucks for him. But either way, we're going <laughs> to truck through this and see what's going on. So that's why you got your temporary co-host, the only actual father, Stinky Fingers. So, yeah, before we dive into all this, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Um, that's basically where we do all of our social media and wherever you listen to us on a, whatever podcast platform, make sure you've, uh, you know, like, and subscribe. If you can rate us five stars only, if it's anything less, don't even do it. I'm not taking it five <laughs> stars only. So yeah, we'll hunt you down. <laughs> that's the rules on that shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I will find Edward Snowden and he will get you and we'll take that rating down. But anyways, we're recording right now. Thursday night football game just got done. Browns just put a little hurting on the Steelers. And um, it's pretty surprising, honestly. 29-17, to 17, the Browns won the game. Jacoby Brissett was looking real solid. 220 yards, two touchdowns. Nick Chubb looked like his usual self. He's continuing to lead the NFL in rushing yards. He had 113 yards and a touchdown. I'd, I'd say the biggest surprises of the night, really, on the Brown side, would be Amari Cooper, once again, has 100-plus yards and a touchdown. And David Njoku, nine catches, 89 yards and a touchdown. That should, yeah, that's pretty nice to see. Like, What do you think about that? Yeah, Cooper, first time since 2016, having back-to-back 100-yard games. He's back you know, back in the Raiders then when they were in, in Oakland. Um, so that's, that's pretty big. Rated. I mean, <laughs> it's just one of those, like, Cooper is one of those guys, like, it I it was a lot of people were off of him. We were off of him as well. I know I have him in one league, and that's our dynasty league. So I drafted him last year or two years ago, whenever we started that that guy. Um, but I do like that he seems to be getting a connection with Jacoby Brissett. Um, obviously not every week's gonna be like the last two, but I think you're gonna start to see Cooper really being a weekly play, um, which is exciting. And Joku is even more uh, surprising though because. We said, you know, uh, you brought up the great stat that Jacoby Brissett has thrown more targets to tight ends in his career than any other quarterback since he's been in the league. Um, but those targets hadn't come the first two weeks, but they really came here in in week three, picking up 10 targets, catching nine of them for 89 yards. Um, so maybe that's another connection that'll be great going forward. I like to I'd hopefully to see, you know, one more, two more weeks of that connection before I really trust it. But that's that's the exciting stuff going on in in Cleveland. Oh yeah, little mini victory lap for me. I've been high on Njoku. It took you know three weeks for it to happen. But yeah, yeah the stat that I was talking about that you uh, just brought up was not the most targets, but the highest percentage of his p- pass attempts in NFL history for any quarterback is, is something crazy. Like thirty percent of his targets go to tight ends or something. So a real high percentage throughout his career. Obviously, I think he's been on like three or four teams now. But yeah, yeah, you know, you love yeah. to see it. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. I have to see it for a couple more weeks before I start him. Um, but the tight end landscape is getting really iffy right now. So I, I wouldn't be scared to start him again next week. 
Yeah, I mean, he should be a decent but... stream. Oh, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to move on to the Steelers, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, go for it, because there's, there's one guy that I want to talk about over on that side, too. Oh, yeah, well, let's just run through it real quick. Mitch Trubisky, 20 for 32, 200 yards, no touchdowns, no turnovers, though, which is, you know, kind of surprising. Not much standing out as far as uh, their offense goes. Mitch did run one in, which maybe might have salvaged his his day as a fantasy quarterback. What did he get? Maybe 16 points, something like that. I'm just going off a rough estimate. I mean, did anybody really put him in their lineup? I mean, some people might, you know, in a super flex league. But, yeah, I mean, the only person that even yeah. scored was Najee Harris. Um, you know, 15 attempts for 56 yards. Once again, not breaking four yards per carry, which sucks to hear. Uh, Deontay Johnson, eight catches, 84 yards. The Muth had a quiet game. Uh, Pat Fryer, Muth, two catches for 41 yards. So, um, yeah, pretty quiet game for the Steelers. Who are you trying to talk about? Honestly, I was talking about about Muth. Um, it's concerning. He had such a large target share with Trubisky at, at the helm in weeks one and two. Um, you know, racking up seventeen targets. It was, I think, top five in the league for tight ends at that point. <coughs> not a ton of production came with that. Like, not a lot of yardage. But you know, that kind of target share made you believe that that production is going to con- con- continue to come. And then all of a sudden, it's just a sleeper of a game for him. You know, four targets, two catches for forty-one yards. I mean. That that sucks, and I think he had started to become, you know, for mo- for many people, a weekly play at tight end, and uh, this game it kind of puts a hinder, you know, hinders you going forward with that. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. You know, if you're outside the top five or six tight ends, it's it's such a such a barren landscape. I, I think the silver yeah. lining with his uh, you know, pretty dismal stat line is the fact that he still averaged twenty yards a catch. Just the targets weren't really there. So, I mean, I, it would lead me to hold on faith for him a little bit more. We talked about it all offseason, so I'm probably going to have to just keep rolling with him <laughs> until <laughs> he has like, maybe two straight weeks of bad games. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you drafted him, you probably punched it on the position anyways. You drafted him in you know the 10th or 11th round. And so you're going to be rolling with him. And I don't I think this will be more of you know, a one-off or maybe it'll happen a couple times during the season. I think going forward, he's still going to be a, a, a good play for you week in and week out. Yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly and are we, I'm surprised we made it this far into our recap for the Thursday night game and haven't talked about George Pickens, arguably making the best catch of the year so far. Oh, it's not even arguably it's the best catch. It'll probably be the best catch of the season. I mean, they immediately, I texted you immediately. I was like, it was OBJ-esque. And then they immediately started showing the, the comparison on, on screen. But I will say, some people are trying to say that Pickens was better. I'm telling you right now, the Pickens catch was not better than OBJ. And the reason for it, Pickens was able to get his fingers around the nose of the ball to really crawl it in. Where OBJ literally grabbed the ball from, <laughs> caught it one-handed on the side of the ball like he was about to you know throw a pass. That's insane. So OBJ still, I think, still has the goat catch, but uh, but it definitely is going to be the catch of the year, I think, in the NFL. Yeah, quit living in the past, dude. It's, it's George Pickens' time now. You got to <laughs> quit thinking about those things. <laughs> OBJ is not even on a team. But... <laughs> yeah, got to move on from that. 
All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers a Thursday night game. Unless there's anything else you want to bring up. I mean, the Browns defense did look really good if you're into playing defenses, which I am. So, I mean, that's something to look into, I think, in the yeah. future. They also scored They scored a very late touchdown on the final play of the game uh, when the Steelers are trying to do some stupid lateral crap. Uh, they got a, f- a fumble in the end zone to to really you know extend the, the score to win. But that's you know six points in your in your back pocket as a defense. Right, and I guess that's something you couldn't really rely on because that's you know such a such a fluky play. You know, end of the game, they're doing the whole lateral thing. I, I forgot the technical term for it. I don't care. Um, <laughs> you know, the rushing hail mary, <laughs> whatever the fuck you call yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy, but I mean, it was huge because they ended up with twelve points on the on the day instead of six. So, um, pretty big win if you did start the Cleveland Browns. Right. And, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you would know that I'm all about my defenses and we'll get to it when we do our late games episode, which will come out at the same time, pretty much tomorrow or on Friday, the 23rd. But this is the early game episode. So let's just dive into the early games, right? We'll do our first one of the morning. Uh, First game we're talking about is going to be Texans at the Bears. We like to discuss Vegas odds because we think it's pretty indicative of what's going to happen with the scoring. So the Bears are two and a half point favorites, which I think is garbage and over under <laughs> of 40 points. Very low scoring over under. Um, I mean, so far, there really hasn't been that much that many good things to say about the Texans offense so far this year. Brandon Cooks, the usual, you know, reliable wide receiver two right now. Currently, he's wide receiver 34 underperforming a little bit. And I mean, so. In his whole career, he's never finished below wide receiver 20. So are, are we worried about what's happening with Brandon Cooks right now? Yeah, you know, a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's just one thing now. I'm only worried just because this offense as a whole isn't looking good, but he is still getting a massive target share. He's got 22 targets over the first two weeks of the season. So I think ultimately um, the production will come back with it, um, especially once he gets in the end zone, things like that. Uh so, but I'm I'm definitely a little concerned. I think it's until I start to see the offense open up a little more. I think he's gonna be a guy I'll be keeping on my bench until I see just a little more from him. Yeah, same here. I might be sliding him into my flex in a couple deeper leagues, um, but it's very promising. You know, twelve targets week one, ten targets week two. There just wasn't really that connection. It really hasn't been an actual connection, but at least in week one, he had seven catches for 82 yards. Last week was horrible. He had seven fantasy points in a, you know, in a half PPR league. So, yeah, you're going to wait for it to happen. And I, I think once this next player we talk about comes into the mix a little bit more, it might help the offense get rolling, which is Damian Pierce. You know, last week he took over the reins from Rex Burkhead, played more than 60% of the snaps. He got all of the running back carries. Like, would you feel comfortable playing Damian Pierce this week against the Bears? Yes, I would. Um, the Bears' offense is, as we, or defense, as we know, is not very good. Um, honestly, the Bears as a whole aren't very good. But, uh, but yeah, I think you can pretty safely play uh, Damian Pierce. My only concern is, like, week one was the exact opposite of what happened in week two in terms of, you know, his playing time and the way the carries went. So that's my only real concern. Um, but I think Damian Pierce is a flex worthy play for you this week. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Damian Pierce ran all through 
uh, not Damian Pierce, sorry. Uh, last week, um, the, the Packers ran all over the Bears. Yeah. So yeah. I would imagine that if Damian Pierce finally gets a good look, um, and I don't know if you saw this, you know, Levy Smith was saying that he was telling the team they need to finish their plays, but one person he's not really worried about that happening with is Damian Pierce. He's the one person on the team he knows finishes the play hard every single time. So head coach already loves him, and it's only week three. Yeah, absolutely. I, that was a great quote. I remember seeing that. I was like, oh, man, he like he he you know cherry-picked one guy to really give praise to, and that's what it is. And plus, like that kind of like Lovey Smith, he's an old school coach. He wants to have really good defense and run the damn ball. And so when he sees a guy who's going to finish plays and always is falling forward when he gets tackled, that's that's a Lovey that's a Lovey Smith guy. He's gonna you know ride him till he dies. And speaking of getting all Lovey, Damian, you know he's piercing our hearts, and I might be <laughs> reaching here, Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith, the former head coach of the Bears, right? He's probably coming back with a little bit of a vengeance. They're they're playing in Soldier Field in Chicago, so I imagine he's going to be coming with the best of what he's got because he wants to win there. Yeah, he basically yeah. got booted out of there. Seems like a century ago at this point, but well, he yeah. was also there. For I, a century, I imagine he wants so. to win there. Yeah, they, I, were, I believe- they, were, they were. They were. You know, they weren't the best of times. They weren't the worst of times. Yeah, I mean, and they've gone through what four head coaches since then so <laughs> maybe they uh maybe they should should listen exactly yep and uh sadly we'll move on to cole commit ah, why do we have to talk about this guy someone i was really high on all off season literally has two targets in two weeks even though he's played 84 percent of the snaps he has no yeah. catches yeah i i honestly don't even know what to say can you just pull me out of this depression. I I can't honestly. Uh, he should be dropped, straight up dropped. There's no reason to be, for him to be on anybody's roster right now. I mean, he he has talent. Like we saw that when he was at Notre Dame. Like he has major talent. But they're not even looking his way in this offense right now. Not even like, like not even like giving him a wink. Like he's non-existent in this offense. So like he does not need to be on anybody's roster. I'm sorry if you punted on the position and that's the guy you went with because it's not working out. But, you know, cut your losses now before it gets worse. I will personally apologize because if you listen to me, you definitely punted the position (laughs) and drafted him late. I'll just say, man, it's a cold world. It's it's a cold world out here. (laughs) And like you said, just... Just move on, man. You got to grab somebody else at this point. But to, yeah. but the only counter argument I got for that is Justin Fields hasn't even passed for 200 yards total this year. Two weeks, yeah. like 120 in the first week, 70 last week. So, I mean, if, if this offense does get rolling, I imagine he does have a role. But, I mean, now we're playing the what-if game, and it doesn't look good so far for them. Yeah. I, I will say, so far, that uh that trade we made in the offseason for, for Komet that I sent to you was uh, looking pretty good for me. Fuck off, man. You don't got to make that public. <laughs> We're just going to move on from that game. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, that pretty much covers that game. Um, Darnell Mooney, are we interested? Uh, like I said, Justin Fields doesn't even have 200 yards yet. Are we interested in doing anything with the Bears offense besides David Montgomery? Obvious must start. I mean, honestly, no. Uh, I 
and I don't think anybody should be. If you're contemplating that, you might want to get your head checked. Go get a CAT scan or something because, like, you don't want any of this. And even then, like, David Montgomery, he's still getting a, the lion's share, share, but when everyone's only key on David Montgomery, that's also a little concerning on uh, how much, how, you know, productive he can be when they're probably going to stack the box with eight, nine guys every play. I mean, David Montgomery might be a really good play this week. If you want to hear more about it, check our late games when we do our starts of the week. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he's one of mine. All right. I love David this week. Good old Monty. But let's move on. Our next game we're going to start about or talk about is the Raiders versus the Titans. Raiders are two-point favorites. Love it. Over under 45 and a half points, which is pretty average for an NFL game. Um a little bit of concern with the offense right now. You know, they are 0-2. Josh Jacobs hasn't reached double digits at all so far this year. We expected more from him. I mean, are you trying to trade Jacobs at this point? Are you still maybe trying to flex him? Like, how do you feel about him? I mean, I'm certainly worried. Um, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, I mean, how can you not be concerned with, with where this is at? I mean, not, not hitting double-digit points. And the more concerning part... The Raiders have kind of a makeshift offensive line right now, and it's showing right now. Josh Jacobs is only averaging one point four yards before contact. It's the eighth lowest in the league, so that's super concerning. That he's not even getting the room to run, and let's and we all know Josh Jacobs isn't the shiftiest guy. Like he's more of a power back, and so if he doesn't get room to run, he can't get get going, and then he, he's never gonna be able to you know break off a big a big game never really get his momentum moving to be able to have a decent fantasy day for you. Yeah, I'm with you. The offensive line is struggling for sure. It seems like they, they keep shuffling guys around on the line. Obviously, I'm a Raiders fan, so I know more than I should about what's happening. They just traded for an offensive lineman from the Patriots, but he's mostly a passing, a pass blocking uh, tackle. I think in a couple weeks, their line's going to look up a lot better. But at this point, Jacobs doesn't look that good. So you might just want to hold on to him. I don't know if I'm going to start him, but he is playing is that, like a majority of snaps. Yeah. The Go issue is, is for most people is where you drafted him. Um, for most cases, he's probably drafted as your RB2, maybe your RB3, depending on how your draft went. Uh, but if that's the case, it means, you know, you might not have a better option to throw into your flex. So that's concerning. If you do have a better option, you know, a receiver, like especially, you know, a guy you could draft late, like uh, Rashad Bateman, for instance, I think he'd be, he's a great flex play. seems like every week at this point, um, you have one of those guys to throw into your flex. Awesome. But you might not have a better option than Josh Jacobs right now. And that's concerning. It is. I hate to talk bad about my boy Jacobs, but you know, he, he does play a good amount of snaps, like 65%, which in this day in the NFL is a lot for a running back but he doesn't get a lot of work in the passing game. And if you're not scoring touchdowns while rushing the ball, you got to be catching the ball. So yeah, at this point, I mean, if you can trade, trade him and someone's interested, I would definitely go for it. But at this point, you might just have to sit on him. And yeah. I think flex him with where you drafted him. <laughs> yeah. Trading. I mean, if you, if you can put him on the trade block and if someone takes the name recognition and wants to go for it, then um, you could probably get a decent offer for him. And I would certainly entertain those offers. Yeah, I am totally with that. So let's just move on from this. Uh, 
dismal Raiders conversation and keep talking about <laughs> dismal Raiders things. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is going to make me really sad. <laughs> uh, Hunter Renfro, where is he? Um, why, like, wh- where's Waldo? And why, when we do find Waldo, he's fumbling the goddamn ball. So, what's going on? Yeah. I don't have an answer, honestly. Do you? No, honest. I'm super shocked. Like, and I, I, you would think that maybe it's the the addition of Devonte Adams is what's really hurting that. But then Devonte Adams was really quiet last week as well. So maybe overall it was just not a a great game for the Raiders. But it's it's weird. I mean, he's he's getting decent targets. So you know, 16 targets. Just there's no yardage behind it, which we kind of knew that with Renfro, like, but he's also not getting to the end zone. So there's something missing here. And like you said, the three fumbles so far this year, he's only lost one for, which is good for the offense, but three fumbles is a lot in two games, especially for a wide receiver who has only had the ball in his hand 10 times. He's fumbling at a 30% rate. I right had now. a graphic sent to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to add on to that, I had a graphic sent to me today that apparently Hunter Renfro has 10 lost fumbles in the last two years, which might be like the highest uh, wide receiver wise in the NFL. Yeah. And I told that person it might be the highest uh, contact regardless of position. They can just eat shit (laughs) forever. (laughs) Yeah, that that there's a pretty good chance the highest in the NFL. Oh, completely. But yeah, I would say that's probably better the worst in the NFL, regardless of position. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, j- just to cap off the Hunter Renfro conversation, I will say the emergence of Mac Hollins, uh former dolphins receiver is probably eating into his production a little bit. And Darren Waller is looking good. There's also Brandon Bolden catching passes out of the backfield. This offense, I hate to say it. You got, you got to wait a couple of weeks and see how things work out. The only must starts really are Devonte Adams and Derek Carr. If you're, really interested even right now Derek Carr is a low tier uh, starting quarterback in fantasy football no. I hate to don't say forget. all of these things but they're true <laughs> don't forget Waller Waller's a must start uh, especially right now oh yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah he's definitely a must start I mean he's in that top five talks top six tight end quarter or top five top <laughs> you see what I'm saying top five <laughs> top six tight end plateau right once it gets past those oh, yeah. guys you know the points drop off Concernedly, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. He, he's in the top. Anyways, that's <clears throat> yeah. I'll quit. I'm just. I'm gonna get really sad. We just got to move on here. So on the <laughs> Titan side of the ball, um, with where you drafted Derrick Henry, you can't not start him. Very concerning as someone who I have Derrick Henry in quite a few leagues. I kept him in the first round in our home keeper league. Um, I'll be honest. I actually got a trade offer for Josh Jacobs and his six round pick, which I wouldn't take for Derrick Henry. And I really, really considered it like countering back and be like, Oh, what about like Josh Jacobs in like a second round pick? <laughs> right. Derek, it's, it's really concerning right now. I mean, wh- like, how do you feel about what's going on with him? Like, the Titans look like garbage right now. <laughs> the, yeah. That's the biggest. The Titans look terrible. Um, like there's, there's no good, good way around, around saying that. But I mean, week one was decent. You know, it's not the best, average he had he had 21 attempts for 82 yards um and then last week he kind of salvaged the week because he scored but he only had 25 yards um but he's actually in the exact same boat as josh jacobs is um he's only averaging 1.2 yards before contact uh, which is the just one step ahead of jacobs at seventh worst in the league so he's not 
getting the opportunity to get his legs moving. You're getting hit that quickly. Like, what are you going to do? Especially where you're, where you're the size of Derrick Henry, who is not shifty. Like, we know that. Like, that dude is an absolute wrecking ball when he gets moving, but he's not going to go out here and, and look like Barry Sanders all of a sudden. No, he, he's a train. You got to give him a little bit of room to get rolling. Exactly. Exactly. Get that inertia going. And then and then he can't be stopped. Yeah. So that's a good point you made. Honestly, the yards before contact, two offensive lines that are struggling. Uh, Derrick Henry really drives a point home, though. Like with where you drafted him, I, I would just stick with it. You kind of have to. Once we oh, get yeah, into like week five and six. Yeah, you, you need a bigger sample size and not, not jump to conclusions. It, it, you know, we're two weeks in right now going into week three. Things are still coming together. You know, in two weeks, we're going to be talking about players you haven't even been heard of because of injuries and players that are going off that were not going off. Hopefully, Derrick Henry. You know, things change so fast in the NFL, so you, you got to roll with him. Yeah, I mean, the teams will make adjustments and they'll find a way to, to you know, make it work. So I'm not worried about, about it right now. I'm sure he'll turn it back around. But you brought up a good point. Like, if if this, we hit like week five or six and this is what we're still seeing out of Derrick Henry, jump shit, man. Like, you probably can't complete sit him. Maybe you throw him into your flex, but I mean, he shouldn't be in like your, you know, RB1 or RB2 situation if it's going to be continuing to go like this. I'm not going to jump ship. I'm going to jump off a goddamn bridge. Okay. I kept him in the first <laughs> round in a hundred dollar buy-in <laughs> league. He better do something for me. <laughs> but I mean, when it comes to the Titans, is there anybody else? I mean, Robert Woods no. hasn't really broke out yet. Tannehill is struggling. Yeah. I mean, so let's just move on from the Titans. Traylon right now. Burks hasn't done much yet either. So yeah, they're all the, the whole offense is uh, pretty atrocious. Oh, exactly. Well, with where you drafted Traylon Burks, I mean, you'd be comfortable sitting on your bench anyways. Hopefully, as a second oh, half of sure. the season kind of guy for you. So, yeah, let's move on to the next game. We got the Chiefs at the Colts in Indianapolis. The Chiefs are six and a half point favorites. Over-under is 50, the highest over-under we've talked about so far. Right now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's a little confusing because, you know, he hasn't played more than 50% of snaps in a game but it seems like he's doing the most as far as that, you know, that running back room is doing um, when he gets the opportunity, he makes the most of it. And he, right now he's currently running back five. I don't think anybody saw that happening right now. Um, are you worried about him with his lack of, you know, snap percentage, things like that? I, I mean, how do you feel about Clyde? You know, normally I would say yes, but I like what he's doing. He looks good on the field. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not that worried about him. Honestly, I think he sh is showing that he's the most talented running back in this backfield and they're going to get, give him you know, the most opportunity. I, I know snap wise, he is basically splitting carries and, and or not carries, but snap wise is splitting with Jarek McKinnon really, but McKinnon, but he's getting way more work. McKinnon's on there and they're not getting any rushing attempts, um, getting similar targets out of the backfield. But that's about it. And I said it all offseason. I mean, Clyde is one of those guys I was kind of looking at because it's like, this is his last chance. I said it all offseason for him to prove that he can be a, a back in this in, in the league. And I think he's going to take that seriously. Um, he just seemed like that kind of guy that would kind of buckle down and be like, okay, let's figure this out and, and get going here. Because if he didn't do it this year, or if he doesn't, you know, if he falls off a cliff, he's part of a, 
a committee for the rest of his career. He'll never he'll never be that guy to, that you can trust. He'll be just a, a, just a another committee back that you see, and he'll be out of the league in you know three years. Oh, that's that's a true. I would say a true statement. Pretty big statement, though. So, I mean, so basically, you're saying right now is like the last year you could really mess with Clyde in in a fantasy perspective. Well, no, because I think he's going to take advantage of this and sh- and show that he's a very talented back. So I think going, f- you know, next year and year after that, you could still draft him. I'm just saying that I think he's taking this year to heart that he this is his last chance to step up. But I think he's gonna. I think he's going to. I'm a believer in Clyde. Uh, that's what it sounds like. So would you start in this week against the Colts? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, it's Shaq uh, Leonard. Um, what? What about what about Shaq? Shaq <laughs> Shaq Leonard. He's no longer Darius Leonard. Remember, he's he's Shaquille Leonard. He changed his name because that's what he was always known by growing up. Um, he's out. He's still out. He's gonna be. He's still recovering from the back injury. Um, he's not gonna be playing, and the defense has not been good with him not on the field so far this year. So yeah, I'm starting Clyde. Ooh, I mean, they haven't even allowed more than three yards of carry last two games they did play the jaguars and the texans the you know the colts defense um around 80 yards on the ground we know andy Reid is smart though he could probably make it work especially with this you know with this offense not really having a receiver and with that being said you know pat mahomes he said that his number one receiver is going to change every single week and through two games no, there's no number one receiver popping out. So right now, <laughs> no, you know, there's it, not it, one. It, it, right? It, yeah. So it really is. It's Travis Kelsey and the running backs. So it, you know we got Kelsey, Edwards, Hilaire, and McKinnon. That's who you're messing with on the Chiefs' offense. Obviously, besides Pat Mahomes, who's a must start every week. Yeah, I'm probably not rolling with McKinnon. Um, he has. I mean, he gets. He's getting like the same. Like I said, same kind of snap share that. Uh, that Clyde is, but he's not doing much with it at all. Um, he has like half the points Clyde does on the year so far. So I'm not going to mess with Jarek in terms of putting him into my lineup. Um, but yeah, you know, the big three, Patty, Clyde, and, and Kelsey will uh, will suffice. Oh, Patty the baddie. <laughs> <laughs> A much more interesting person, but that's UFC. Something I know nothing about. Uh, anyways... Uh, let's talk about the Colts side then. Uh, the Colts look like hot, hot, just leaking dumpster garbage juice last week against the Jaguars. <laughs> it was horrible. You know, like when the 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 the, the garbage guys come by, they pick up the dumpster, the juice that's left on the ground. That was the Colts' offense. It was horrible. <laughs> and I, I watched a lot of this game honestly, and I, I really think Michael Pittman is a huge part of this offense and. Um, from what we have on the document here, obviously you believe the same, like you might believe the same thing. I think Michael Pittman is the heart of this offense and he is back this week. Do you think the Colts about bounce back now that Pittman's there and they have a little bit of a receiving threat because last week the Jaguars were able to key in on basically just stack the box because there was no receiving threat. I mean, so how do you feel about the Colts offense this week? Yeah, I mean, I think that they will bounce back. Pittman is dealing with a quad injury. Um, he was limited at practice today and yesterday, but he's practicing, which is always a good thing. So he'll probably play this weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, just look at what he did week one. 
where he played 98% of the snaps, got 13 targets, nine catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I think he finished as the receiver four or five on the week. Uh, that's huge. Not to mention, they also were missing their rookie receiver last week, Alec Pierce, and he also sounds like he should be back. So you're getting guys back that should be able to open this offense up more, and I think it'll be better for for the offenses in general, including Jonathan Taylor, who had a very quiet game himself last week against that stack box. Yeah, I'm totally with you. You know, they went from scoring 20 points week one with Michael Pittman. You know, that week he had a great week. Week two, Michael Pittman's out. Colts don't even score a single point against the Jaguars. And this week they play the Chiefs, which, um, you know, they should be playing from behind with a pretty high over-under from Vegas, 50 points. So I, I assume they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. And it, it should be working out pretty well for Michael Pittman, which also opens things up for Jonathan Taylor. So... Let's pray for a bounce back for the Colts and old Matty Ryan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I hope so, because I thought Matt Ryan's would be a major upgrade over Carson Wentz from last year. And so far, not showing it. Oh, that's a bit of a. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but all right. All right. I think he does look better. But last week, you know, you can't go off of it. That was a horrible week last week. He had no one to throw the ball to. But let's just move on here. <laughs> um, next game, we we got the Bills at Miami playing the Dolphins. The Bills are six-point favorites. The over-under is 52. This should be a really good game to watch. Um, and the Bills are a little banged up right now. You know, Gabe Davis was limited at practice Wednesday. Um, and Thursday. He did not play Monday Night Football versus Tennessee. Yep, and he also was limited at practice today. Um which, if you're listening, would be yesterday, limited practice on Thursday. Um, right now, the thoughts are he is going to be playing on Sunday. Are you throwing him in your lineup? I mean, I think you kind of have to. Um, you probably drafted him as your wide receiver, two or a flex play at the very least. Um, and week one, he showed, like, like, why. I know you and Jim were pretty high on him all season, and I was skeptical whether we were putting way too much you know, thought into him having that massive playoff game. And that was always a concern of mine, but he did come in. He only had five targets, but you know, a, they were all down the field. He's a big play guy. So he had four catches, 88 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think with where you drafted him and, and the way this offense is is going right now, I think, yeah, Gabe Davis should be in everyone's lineup. Yeah, I agree with you. And if you think about it, he missed last week's game and he played week one, which is the first game of the season on Thursday. At this point, he's had pretty much two weeks to recover from his injury. So, uh, yeah, two and a half. Hopefully, he'll be that. looking good. Hopefully, and obviously, they uh, the the Bills did not need him last week against the against the Titans, right? And it was concerning because you know he wasn't there, and Dawson Knox was a little bit more involved in the offense, but not as much as you would hope. He's also banged up right now. He's got a, a foot injury. Limited at practice on Wednesday. Also limited at practice on Thursday. If Dawson plays, are you think he's worth streaming? Uh, you know, the Dolphins are so far the second worst defense against tight ends this year. We are in week three. It's so hard to gauge these things because one big week is going to make a team look like they're the worst against a position. But they did get right. murdered by the Ravens. They did. And I mean, they have Mark Andrews. So like, that's a hard thing. Like, cause if you look at, at, you know, points given up so far, far to tight ends, 
Like the Cardinals are are like the worst, I think, in the league. But they also played Travis Kelsey in week one. So like you have to keep those kind of things in perspective. Um honestly, I mean if you Dawson Knox is only gonna be in your lineup if you punted the the position anyways, uh, when it came to draft season. But I just don't like him very much as a stream. Um I know he got paid in the offseason and like they like him there, they like what he can do, but when they're actually on the field playing, he just doesn't seem to have that big of a role in this offense. He I know he he had like that string of games last year where he was really involved, had like, you know, five touchdowns in like four games or whatever it was. And that was great. But then he was really quiet the rest of the year as well. Um, I'm thinking that's just his role in this offense. There's so many playmakers, especially on the outside, that there's Josh Allen just doesn't like to throw to the middle of the field to to the tight end. So I'm thinking Dawson Knox, unless you absolutely have no other option, um, I wouldn't be throwing him into my lineup. Yeah, I'm with you on most of that. Um, he's a very touchdown-dependent tight end, you know, on a high-scoring offense. Like you said, he doesn't get a lot of targets. It seems like he's not one of the favored guys in that offense. If Gabe Davis is out, though, he could be very interesting, which, you know, sounds con- uh, counterintuitive because last week he still only had like 40 yards and five catches with Gabe Davis being out. So, yeah, I'm with you on most of that. Dawson Knox, I, I would slide him in this week just because I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. Um, if you don't have one of those top five or six tight ends, you, you really got to take that risk and kind of roll with him, in my opinion. But, you know, moving on from the Bills' side of the ball, I mean, are we, are we going to start the running backs? Obviously, Josh Allen's a, <laughs> before we move on. Josh Allen's a must-start. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the Bills' running backs, such a clusterfuck. It's been like that for a while now. So, yeah, we'll move on yeah, from that. Last yeah, week, Tua yeah. just... <laughs> Uh, unless you got something to say about him, I mean, no, no, I <laughs> there's nothing. There's no, there's really nothing can. to say about them. Yeah, there's nothing to say about them. It's, it's, it's awful. <laughs> exactly. So let's move on to the Dolphins side of the ball. Last week, Tua completely went off six touchdowns. Um, there's a third time in Dolphins history, which the Dolphins have a lot of good quarterbacks in their history, where a quarterback scored six touchdowns, and. You know, he's coming off of that six touchdown performance. Now he plays the NFL's number one defense, who has five interceptions total so far this year. They got three versus Matthew Stafford. Last week, they got two versus Tannehill. Didn't even allow Tannehill to score a touchdown. And they really stifled um, Matt Stafford week one when they played the Rams. He only one touchdown, 240 yards. They got three picks off of him. Would you be willing to start two with this week? No. <laughs> Like, don't get fooled by that big game last week. <laughs> I mean, I I love that too. It finally like showed that he could be a a big quarterback in this league, but he's not going to do this. Dude, the Bills are so damn good. They are clearly the best team in the league so far. They have the number one offense and the number one defense right now. I mean, there's nothing you're going to be able to do to stop them. Um, this will be a great like measuring tool for the for where the Dolphins are at, but. Buffalo being a six point favorite seems like there's a reason that they are. I think even Vegas is expecting this to be a pretty big blowout. Um, and to put that this in perspective as well, the last three years that the Dolphins or that the Bills have gone into Miami to play this game, they've won by an average of like 24 points. 
So, oh, see, that's why you're yeah. on the podcast, man. You know all these <laughs> these crazy things. <laughs> so the Bills, like, they're gonna, they're probably gonna dominate. This defense is too damn good. Um, I would not be touching Tua, um, you know, anywhere. I don't want him even sniffing my lineup. I'm totally with you. And the only reason I'd even like pay attention to Tua this week is because if he does perform well against this defense, I think it kind of proves that what they put together with that, you know, with him and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, that they, they can perform as an offense. This is a real test this week, but like you said, I'm not starting him. If you're in that position, yeah, you got to stream somebody, man. You're going to put yourself in a bad position. Absolutely. But, um, obviously, so if you think two is not going to have a good game, what about Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle? You going to start those guys? You have to. With where you drafted them, you have to start those guys. So you don't have a choice. You're hoping basically that one or whoever you have, that your guy scores a touchdown to salvage his week. Um, but I wouldn't expect either one of them to have big games. Maybe one of them has a really good game and the other guy gets locked down. You know, you never know how, how that could be, but um, I highly, highly doubt they would both have big games. Yeah, I'm with you, honestly. Uh, it, it's a flip of the coin. It's a it's going to be a high-scoring... Uh, uh, the over-under is high, and let's just assume the Dolphins are playing from behind, so one receiver is definitely going to have a lot of points, at least a lot of yards. So I'm with you on that one. Well, what about the backfield? So, you know, Miami, as far as their backfield goes, Chase Edmonds was the lead back in week one. Then we go into week two. Now it's Raheem Mostert. I fucking hate Raheem Mostert. Just constantly <laughs> destroying backfields. Always making things into a committee. Um, and once again, we have a question mark in another backfield in the NFL. I, I'm not touching yeah. either of these guys. And with where you drafted them. You, you shouldn't really be forced into a position where you are starting them. Do you, How do you feel about that? No, I think that's exactly right. I mean, Mostert wasn't even drafted, I think, in most leagues. And Edmonds was, a for many guys, it was a later round draft pick. I know he started his ADP started to creep up towards uh, when the season, act, you know, when we got closer to kickoff. Um, but you're probably okay. I'm sure you have a better option than than either of these guys to be able to throw into your flex. But yeah, man. It's just, and this is what we were worried about. I understand that they made Chase Evans like the highest paid running back free agent signing this this offseason. And he was like the very first free agent signing of the offseason. Like they went out, they're like, we want this guy. And they went out and got him. But uh, Mike McDaniels comes from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, which is a committee based backfield. Always has been. Um, that That's never changed with, with Kyle Shanahan. So I expect that to continue, continue to be. And just like um, this week, just like uh, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, I think it's going to be a weekly toss-up between which one of these guys is worthy to start, and you're never going to know which one it is. Yep, and with that being said, <laughs> I'm not starting neither of them. <laughs> Fuck yep. it. That is until yep. Raheem. That is until Raheem Moster gets hurt again. Yeah, well, he is the most hurt, Raheem most yes. hurt. We've said <laughs> yes, it a million times in this podcast, and we did call it a million times in this offseason. You know, he does come from that coaching tree, which is a traditionally committee backfield. And what do you know? Committee backfield. So, yeah, Mike McDaniels is just, you know, the the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I guess you could say. The far from yeah. the coaching tree. Yeah, no, that's, that's so, a yeah, great So, yeah, I think that pretty it. much wraps up. 
<laughs> so yeah, that, that, I think that wraps up that game. Let's move on to another game, which, uh, as far as a morning game goes, which is surprising, this is the highest over under of the morning games. We got the Lions at Minnesota playing the Vikings. The Vikings are six point favorites, but the over under is fifty two and a half points, the highest over under of a- any of the morning games. And the Lions offense has been looking pretty good so far. You know, they they kept up with the Eagles in Week One. Um, last week they looked really good against. Uh, they played the Commanders, right? What am I? Am I getting this right? Yeah, they played the Commanders uh, yeah. last week. Uh, the Lions in in general looking pretty good, I think. But um, it, you know, with back to back pretty good performances from the Lions, now we have Jared Goff being quarterback nine on this season, which <laughs> no one's seen that coming. Are are you streaming Jared Goff? Uh, no, but like. <laughs> I mean, I mean, clearly, clearly the the Lions defense is really bad. They've given up a shit ton of points in two weeks. Um, so that bodes well for Goff to continue to put up numbers. Um, I mean, I'll let, let me put it this way: I'd start Jared Goff over Tua this week. Ooh, we yeah. Um, I I could probably get on board with that. The the Vikings did shut down uh, Aaron Rodgers in Week One, home to no touchdowns yeah. and one pick. You think Jared Goff can do better than Aaron Rodgers? I mean, Jared Goff does have a better supporting cast with his receivers, and you know DeAndre Swift and all that. Yeah, but the the Vikings also gave up three hundred over three hundred yards passing to Jalen Hurts last last week, who, as we know, isn't a very good passing quarterback yet. That's a good counter. Yeah, honestly, I, I would start Jared over Tua this week. So, man, it, it's a crazy week. <laughs> we're already in week three, and we're talking about stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, that's fantasy football for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's weird, All but, right. you know, shit. Um, Dr. Swift, he's healthy now, right? Uh, Yeah, he's practicing. I know he's, uh, he's, I think he's been things. limited. Yeah, I think he uh he's been mm. limited, I believe. But well, yeah, he's, he's out. Practicing. Jamal Williams is a must start, right? Oh, yeah, well, officially yeah, limited. Keep an eye on it. If he's out, Jamal Williams must start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would say so for sure. He'll go in there and and take over basically the entire role. Um, but when there's when guys are limited at practice throughout the entire week, there's a pretty damn good chance they're gonna play. It's very rare to see a guy, you know, go three straight practices during the week you know, even being limited or not, then just not suit up on, on Sunday. There'd have to be some major setback. So I don't think it's something you're going to have to worry about right now. Yeah, that is a good point to make, honestly. Yeah, just kind of ease them into the week uh, for Sunday coming up. Well, you know, speaking of injuries, TJ Hawkinson dealing with a hip injury, been kept limited in practice uh, so far this week, and he's had a pretty slow start to the season. Honestly, pretty disappointing career so far. I hate to shit on the guy because I expected a lot from him. Honestly, I'm off the train. I am done with TJ Hawkinson. How do you feel about it? I'm not off the train yet. I am concerned his lack of uses so far this year. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if you can say disappointing career. He was the tight end number seven, I believe, last year before he got hurt. And the year before that, he finished as the tight end five. So um, I don't think it's a disappointing career. Obviously, I think 
we're expecting more from him. Um, but I, I'm not going to jump off of that train yet. He's just too damn talented. Um, I think he'll get his. I Maybe he's just getting kind of lost in the shuffle. Or maybe this injury is something he's dealt with a little longer than we expected. And he's, you know, limited out there on the field as well. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm not going to jump off of that train yet. Uh, you're more optimistic than me. I mean, I know he's had some good finishes. But with where he gets drafted every year, it's just it's so disappointing to see. And maybe it is the injuries that are holding him back. But, you know, at the same time, that shit is disappointing <laughs> as a fantasy manager. <laughs> so, yeah, I see what you're saying. But obviously, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's a must start. Um, Jenner Swift, if, if he plays, must start. Amon Ra, big surprise this year, right? Um, he's done great so far, just picking up where he left off last season. We I know, and I was into it too much, but I mean, at the same time, it's interesting. Yo, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's is the first receiver uh, or only the third receiver ever to have eight straight games of over eight catches or something like that. I can't remember the exact stat, but something like that. And he has a chance to break that record this week. Mm-hmm. So um, pretty crazy. Honestly, I was worried about Amon Ra coming into this year because I was like, can he really keep up that pace at the end of the season with? Uh, but so far, the answer is yes, he can. And for the guys that that you know believed in him and still drafted him, uh, you're being rewarded highly right now it's literally the same exact pace of the last six weeks of last year double digit targets at least 70 yards he's getting a touchdown for you that's how he ended the season and now this year two straight games of 12 targets um at least 64 yards one touchdown week one two touchdowns week two this guy is whoever got him late i mean we're talking like what round eight Round seven, Roughly, something yeah. like that. Yeah, somewhere between like seven and nine. I can't remember yeah. for sure, but yeah, it was it was a later round round pick where you were probably drafting him as your third or fourth wide receiver at that point. And yeah, now you get to throw him into your into your flex, your wide receiver two spot, or you know wherever. Just throw him into your lineup anywhere, and you're fucking winning, dude. He's number two in standard, number three in PPR. He's he's at least wide receiver two at this point. Yeah, he's but, a stud. Yeah, it, it's crazy. So, anyways, let's, let's go talk about the Lions because I'll talk about them all day. I love uh, I love the Lions right now, but <clears throat> once again, another high running back draft pick who is struggling. Dalvin Cook right now, running back twenty eight. Any reason to be concerned? I would say yes. Yeah, dude. There's a lot of them this year so far. You know, Cook is up there. Uh, we did already talked about Jacobs and Derrick Henry. There's a couple other guys that are concerning as well. Like Najee's one of them who's up, who was a uh, you know, first round draft pick for most people. And he's been struggling, you know, not greatly, but struggling more than you expected. Like there's just a lot of guys who aren't, aren't bringing it. Like we're used to them bringing it. So I don't know with Dalvin cook, if it's the, if it's the new offensive scheme, maybe he's not mixing well with the new blocking scheme or something like that. I don't know. Uh, my bigger concern is like, what the hell happened last week when he only got six carries? Like, yeah, see, yeah, that's what I'm looking into right now. Honestly, any game that he's played more than 50% snaps in, I mean, I can't even find one in his history. There have been games where he played less than half the snaps and had 18 carries. Exactly. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, rookie year. Uh, How do you just completely ignore him like that? It doesn't make any sense. And the thing is, too, like, 
every this is talked about all the time when the Vikings are in prime time because Kirk Cousins apparently shits the bed whenever he's in a in a big prime time game. He never succeeds. His Monday night record is two and eleven. That like it's like the worst. Like for anybody who's had like more than like four starts on Monday night football is like the worst winning percentage in all of in all of NFL history. So, but like when you know he mm-hmm. clearly can't like raise his game up in the spotlight, why not lean on your running back? Especially when you have a really, really fucking talented one like Dalvin Cook, who's really good and and can really take a lot of pressure off of your quarterback, and then you choose to basically ignore him the entire game. It is wild. I honestly can't explain it. And I hate to sound like a broken record, but with where you drafted him, you got to start him. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have yeah, a choice. You you're, see that. you're not happy about it. Yeah. You you need the sample size to see, uh, is this guy really just being shut out of the offense? And it's not like Alexander Madison's making a huge emergence. You know, the, no, the Vikings offense is definitely, it's weird right now. You know, a new head coach, people are you know trying to figure things out. We can say the same now, thing about the Broncos, which is kind of a subject change. Yeah. Yeah, it could, yeah. could be. You know? What were you saying? I mean, at least now he is playing the Lions, who have the worst defense against running back so far in the season. Um, they're averaging over 30 points a game so far, given up. So that's that's huge. They've given up four rushing touchdowns as well already, which is by far the most in the league. So maybe, you know, this is the time that for, for him to break out, and maybe Kevin O'Connell can pull his head out of his ass like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, I can do more than just pass the ball to Justin Jefferson. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. You know, uh, like I said, we're, we were talking about it earlier. We're so early in the season. Almost all of that came from week one when the Eagles played the Lions. You know, 130 yards out of the 160 that they've allowed so far. Three out of the four touchdowns they've allowed so far. They still gave up uh, 25 points to the Washington running back last week. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, they, they gave it quite a bit in the receiving game. So I, I can see what yeah. you're saying. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely concerning. If he doesn't do it this week, it, it man, it'd be crazy to be considering benching oh, someone like it, Dalvin Cook. It, if Dalvin Cook has a shit game against the Lions, I'm pulling the fire alarm. Oh, you're risking suspension like that? Yeah. yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> Well, shit, did you hear? Way off topic. You're not going to talk about special. Do you hear about the kid? God, who are you? Like, San Diego State was playing some some team. I can't remember. I can't remember the schools. It was a college kid who threatened a nuclear bomb on the school if they lost the football game. That's what happens when you bet too much money. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I put all of my student loans on this game. (laughs) <laughs> I will kill everybody if you fucking lose this. That's right, wild. Man. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I know that was man. way segue, but it kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> Anyways, let's wrap this up. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, you're going to start him. Um, what about Adam Thielen? Like, should we just bench him until we see something happen? Like from him, I personally believe KJ Osborne will have um. A game where he, you know, a coming out game eventually, but but him and Thielen, I'm kind of just kind of waiting on. Yeah, um, I'm a little saddened by that. I thought Thielen, like, there's so many good reports coming out of camp for him this year, so I was really ex- hoping he's going to make a bounce back. And I understand 
He led the team in receiving last week uh, with 52 yards. Um, that's because Darius Slay made Justin Jefferson look like a chump. Um, so, Whoa. But, hey, dude, it's true. Darius Slay shut down Justin Jefferson. Like, Justin Jefferson's never been shut down before. I'm that glad dude, to see it, honestly. I mean, that dude, that dude gave him a binky, put him in his pajamas, wiped his ass, and put him to bed. Damn, I just did the same thing to my son like an hour and a half ago. <laughs> that's no binky that's though. When they, yeah. So, but my, my Darius uh, Slay. Yeah, Darius. <laughs> Trey Slay, Jose. Hey, Darius Trey. There you go. Hey, see, we can make that work. Um, going back to Adam Thielen. Um, <laughs> The bigger concern is the lack of targets. Um, he did have seven last week, but again, Jefferson was you know basically non-existent that game. But in week one, he only had four targets, so it's eleven targets total over the two games. I don't love his usage right now, and it's just not turning into a lot of production. So yeah, he should be on your bench until we start to see him figure it out within this offense. Yeah, I totally agree. So let's move on to the next game then. We got the Baltimore Ravens playing in New England against the Patriots. The Ravens are a three-point favorites. Extremely low over-under of 43.5 points. Right now, uh, looks like Lamar is dealing with an elbow injury. It's gotten limited in practice so far this week. But uh, you know, Coach John Harbaugh says he will play in Week 3. I believe there is a clip of uh, Lamar throwing a ball on Sunday and then kind of like wriggling his arm afterwards. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It kind of came out after the report that he was dealing with this elbow injury. Now he did practice in full today. So that's obviously good. Um, and I don't think there's any real concern about him playing, but if the elbow was bothering him enough, maybe it affects how well he plays. Um, so it's good to see that he's out there. He had a, you know, really good game through the air last week. So, um, uh, honestly, and on the ground, he had a huge game. I'm, did I miss how big of a game he had last week? Why am I just now seeing he scored like 42 damn points? Like, where the hell was I? Yeah, I don't know how you missed that. He's quarterback one on the season so far, which is a great value. Round six is where pretty much anyone grabbed Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. So, You're late to the party. <laughs> I don't know what. I mean, so, yeah, I know that yeah. the, the game was crazy. I don't know how I missed all that. Well, you know, welcome to the party. Lamar's on fire. He's quarterback one. Uh, Mark Andrews, obviously, must start. Rashad Bateman, I think, in my opinion, is a must start. Do you agree? Yeah, dude, at this point, Bateman's been great. Um, I'm so glad I started to pick him up in, like, all of our drafts after you hit me with that, you know, 144 targets being vacated. I'll keep going back to that because it was, like, the best advice I got all offseason from either you or James, honestly, so. Haha, <laughs> yes. See, I do some things right, you know? Yeah. Well, um, had that one right. He's besides a those start. guys, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad to hang my hat on something that I got right because <laughs> I've been wrong about a few things like Amari Cooper. But, anyways, um, J.K. Dobbins started a full practice on Wednesday and Thursday. And, oh, and Thursday. Okay. Even though Harbaugh said, you know, he's week to week earlier this week. Um, that's a weird thing to say earlier this week, Harbaugh said he was week to week. <laughs> so, um, if JK, if they say he's ready to go, are you throwing him in your lineup against the Patriots? Yes. 
as much as like that can be scary because he hasn't played in over a year and he's playing the Patriots, which, you know, traditionally are very good, good defense. And, you know, they're usually should be good against running backs, but he is by far the most talented running back in this backfield, not named Lamar Jackson. And he's going to get his, I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if they were going to ease him into the, into the season in terms of like his workload, they, he would have played week one and two because he was practicing, uh, you know, limitedly in those weeks. Now that he's practicing 100% in full, I think they let him just run loose first week back. I don't think they they really worry about easing him into the game plan. I think he's going to, you know, come in and get the get the lion's share of the snaps and the carries. And yes, I would throw him in this week. Yo, I completely agree. If you've been watching the Ravens, they've been using Kenyon Drake uh, primarily as a running back. And I'll say that, you know, for the millionth time, I'm a Raiders fan on this podcast. Kenyon Drake was on the Raiders for the past couple of years. If the Ravens are using Kenyon Drake as their primary running back, they're really, really struggling. If J.K. Dobbins is healthy, he's going to get a majority of carries. And he's absolutely a must-start. And once he comes back, he's he's a must-start every single week. Kenyon Drake, Mike Davis, all those guys, they're just going to fade into obscurity. Because we all know what can happen in this Ravens running offense. You know, good things happen with people who are good, hard runners. That's really not Mike Davis or Kenyon Drake's M.O. Exactly. J.K. Dobbins is going to look really good. I would love to see him this week. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and I mean, and you are probably tired of me saying it, but like I've been a big J.K. believer all offseason. I've been getting him in a lot. I think I'm in six leagues this year, and I think I have J.K. Dobbins in five of them. So um, I'm a Whoa. huge, huge believer in J.K. Dobbins. Like, that's my dude. I expect him to come in and and just and just get it, man. I'm so excited to see him back on the field. You you didn't diversify your assets, okay? Rule number one. <laughs> Anyways, that's not really hey, man, rule one. When you really believe in somebody, get them, get them. Yeah, honestly, I have Rashad Bateman in a lot of leagues, so I I can't really say anything. <laughs> But, um, you know, that, that basically wraps with the Ravens. The Patriots offense has been hot garbage so far, which is disappointing. <laughs> There's a couple of guys I've been looking at. Um, are we starting anyone for the Patriots offense? No, honestly. I mean, maybe Damian Harris, depending on where you drafted him. I'm hoping that's not somebody you're relying on just because his usage has been pretty poor. Um, at least not his usage. His snap share has been poor. He did get 15 carries last week and he scored a touchdown. So that was good for, for him, but you can't bank on him doing anything. So no, um, there's no one on the Patriots. You should be starting. If you have to Damian Harris. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It's pretty much only Damian Harris. Um, I would keep an eye on Nelson Aguilar who seems to be making a little bit of an impact, but that offense is so hit or miss. It's, it's just someone like throwing your watch list. Because that that offense is atrocious right now, so yeah. yeah, let's um let's wrap that up. Move on to the next game. Uh, so we got the the Bengals are in New York playing the Jets. They're five point favorites, over under forty five points, and contrary to previous years, it looks like the Bengals are featuring mainly a, a two receiver sets and not really three that you know we've been used to seeing. Uh, is are you even rostering Tyler Boyd at this point? Like obviously Jamar Chase and um, Higgins are worth keeping, but what about Tyler Boyd? 
honestly, I don't really think he is. I mean, in week one, he came in and had, you know, pretty much he had seven targets, four catches, and he really salvaged his day with a touchdown because T. Higgins went out in the first quarter with a concussion. But T. Higgins is back last week. And even though Tyler Boyd played a bunch, I mean, they do run in a bunch of three receiver sets, but they're not seeming to feature that third receiver at all so far because he still played 80% of the snaps last week, but he had two targets, two two receptions for 17 yards. Like, I don't think he should be on your roster. Now, if an injury happens to Chase or Higgins, completely different story. But honestly, I think I'm probably finding someone else to sit on my bench. Oh, yeah, I'm totally with you. And I mean, I mean, anybody else in this Bengals offense? Obviously, like Joe Burrow is a pretty good start. We're not really messing with the tight end Hayden Hurst just yet. He's playing a good amount of snaps. Um, Joe Mixon must start. Yeah, pretty anybody much else a must start. Up? <laughs> like T. Higgins, T. Higgins, where you drafted him, you he's clearly a must start. But he's also kind of rewarding that. I know we were all like, no way on T. Higgins, especially because he's being drafted in like the third round. But so far, he's actually, you know, shown shown a decent amount. Obviously, week one, you can remove that because of the concussion that happened, you know, early in the game. But last week, he comes back, 10 targets, six catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown is, is good. So, yeah, um, you're starting everyone not named Tyler Boyd or Hayden Hurst. Yeah, pretty much. And that, you know, pretty simple for the Bengals offense let's talk about the Jets then Elijah Moore had a fall from grace or has a fall from grace so far this year yeah formerly number one wide receiver last year and right now he's fifth on the team in targets he's behind Corey Davis Tyler Conklin Michael Carter uh somebody else whose name I do not know I mean oh the Garrett Wilson but he was the obvious one (laughs) Oh, yeah, and Garrett Wilson. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting wrapped up just trying to keep up with <laughs> what I'm reading <laughs> here. Um, yeah, obviously at this point, he should be benched until, until Zach Wilson comes back, right? Because him and Joe Flacco don't seem to have any kind of chemistry going. No, not, none at all. So, yeah, as much as, as that hurts, because like Elijah Moore is one of those kind of middle-round receivers that you thought you could rely on. But, I mean, mm-hmm. him and Joe Flacco are not on the same page in any way. Um, obviously Zach Wilson and him created some pretty good chemistry towards the end of last season. So hopefully, you know, he that's rejuvenated when once Wilson's back, but for now, um, yeah, you can't, you can't touch him. I don't want him anywhere near my starting lineup. I think Zach Wilson's projected to come back in a couple of weeks, but even then, you know, you got to treat this offense with caution. Yeah, I would say, and, I mean, is there yeah. anyone on this offense that you're actually starting? Not necessarily starting. Um, I will say this, even with when Zach Wilson comes back, I'd still hold off on Elijah Moore until you see it on the field. So um, he shouldn't be dropped by any means. I, he should be put him on your on your bench and just see what happens once Zach Wilson comes back. Um, I don't know if you can start anybody, but it kind of seems like Michael Carter could be flexed at this point. Uh, he's outplaying the rookie Brees Hall by a lot. Um, he's getting most of the touches, most of the snaps. Um, it kind of just seems like it's Michael Carter's backfield, which I know that brings, you know, joy to your ears, Trey, because you were a Michael Carter yes. believer. And, uh, it's kind of surprising that the jets would use, you know, what's first or second round draft, pick, second round draft pick on Brees Hall and then 
just ignore him essentially. But uh, I think Carter is actually a decent flex play um, for for the most part, you know, week in and week out until I, I'm still thinking eventually Brees Hall, you know, jumps into this thing. But right now, yeah, I think you could flex Michael Carter. Yeah, I would counter argue that, that it seems like the tides are turning. Brees Hall had a way better game last week. Um, Carter had more of an impact in the receiving game, but Brees Hall got the receiving touchdown on his one target. And he also averaged seven yards a carry. They both ran the ball seven times, but Michael Carter only averaged, you know, three and a half yards a carry. So the tides might be turning slowly. Brees Hall still only played 27% of snaps, which is actually lower than it was in week one. And Michael Carter is consistently playing 60% of snaps. So until I see that snap Mm -hmm. share change, I mean, Brees Hall, he has has another terrible week, another six-point week if you take away the touchdown. So um, I'm not going to bank on that. I think if I'm going to put one guy in my flex, it's definitely Michael Carter. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up that game. Let's move on to... The Philadelphia, geez, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Washington Commanders. Eagles are favorites by six and a half points over under 47 points. Javante Smith finally bounced back. Yeah, he put up a goose egg in week one, had a good game in week two, and he has a pretty solid matchup this week against the Commanders. I'm throwing him into my starting lineup. Are you? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I certainly would. Um, the Commanders, right now, they're giving up over 46 points a game to the position, which is like the sixth worst, worst in the league. Um, so, yeah, I think you have to start him. And I think, you know, obviously A.J. Brown's a must-start. But, yeah, I think Devontae, Devontae Smith is a pretty easy play this week. Yeah, and, um, I mean, obviously... Jalen Hurts is a must start. What about uh, Miles Sanders? Must start, right? Yes. This, this offense is rolling right now. <laughs> do you need me to? Do you mean to go into that into Miles Sanders again? Do I need to continue to say that he's averaging? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I just you can just hey. say it. Just finish the sentence. Yeah, he's a career over five yards a carry average on his career. Just give him the damn ball. I don't care that he's only playing 50% of snaps. He's dominating the touches out of the backfield and he's, he's producing like he had, he gave you 10 points last week without scoring a touchdown. That's pretty damn good production out of a, out of a running back when he doesn't score, score in the game. So put him in your lineup. He's there to stay. I think Nick Sirianni finally pulled his head out of his ass and realized, Oh, Miles Sanders is a really good back. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud for you. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) Let's move on to the commander's side of the ball then. Uh, it, it seems like Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel, or they might have t- overtaken Scary Terry McLaurin as a wide receiver to start on this offense. It's uh, They're kind of all over the place in my eyes. But I mean, how do you feel about these receivers? Yeah, um, I would say, honestly, right now I'd say Curtis Samuel for sure has overtaken him as the number one receiver in this offense. He's getting... So many targets right now. He's got 20 targets in the first two games uh, versus only 12 for Scary Terry. 
Um, Han Dotson, I wouldn't, I'd say hasn't yet. The reason Jahan Dotson right now is having a better fantasy season is because he scored three touchdowns. Um, that's not dependable by any means. Um, he's, he has 10 targets on, on the season and not a ton of yardage behind it. He's just getting the red zone looks right now. So I would stay away from Jahan Dotson in terms of, you know, automatically putting him in your lineup, but Curtis Samuel should be in your lineup. He's getting a ton of targets, huge target share, uh, catching almost everything. I mean, 11 targets, eight catches week one, nine targets, seven catches week two, um, scored a touchdown on both, but I just like how much more usage he's getting. You know, what's wild is all three of those receivers in a half PPR league. They all have double digit weeks in the last two weeks. Yeah. And Carson Wentz is quarterback number four right now. I know Carson Wentz is out here slinging it right now. It's crazy. Yeah. 29 points in week one, 27.7 points week two. Would, would you start Carson this week against the Eagles? No, um, the Eagles have a really good defense and this is going to be. And I mean, the first two weeks they played Jacksonville and Detroit, not very good defenses. And I understand Jacksonville just shut down the Colts, but that's what we already talked about them. They were out their top two receivers. So I'm not going to worry about that. This is going to be the big test. If this offense continues to produce like they have in the first two weeks against the Eagles, you'll probably, you'll probably hear me saying that I'm a believer and that, you can start to start Carson once every week, which is crazy. But I'm going to wait to see what happens uh, this week because I had, yeah. I got a pretty good feeling that uh, it's going to come all crashing back to earth. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It, it's his prove it week for me. And if he does, then I will honestly, I won't even be sold, but I will have interest after this week. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> let's move on to our last early game of this episode. And our next episode will be the late games, uh, which will be Sunday night football, Sunday afternoon and Monday night. But the last game of this episode is going to be the Saints against the Panthers in Carolina. Saints are three point favorites over under 40 and a half points. Um, it was announced before last week's game that Jameis Winston's playing with fractures in his back and he's going to continue to play and practice in a limited fashion. Apparently there's no chance of re-injury, which is what I saw, which I think is crazy to say with someone who has <laughs> fractures in their back. <laughs> Four of them, apparently. But, <laughs> yeah, but apparently there's no chance of re-injury. I mean, I know guys who messed their back up once and were never the same again, <laughs> but obviously we're talking about NFL athletes. <laughs> not some you know carpenter or electrician but anyways uh he does have a good matchup this week against the panthers do you think Jameis winston is worth streaming yeah i think i think you could stream him um Jameis, i think is one of those guys probably every week this week you if you're in a streaming position you're gonna like should i put jameson you know he's going he's gonna be there always there as like a streaming option and you're going to base off of you know who's available and what the matchup is. Now, we did see a little bit of the old Jameis last week against the, the Buccaneers. He did throw three picks. So that's a little concerning um, because we know how he can be very, very turnover prone um, at times in his career. But that's probably not going to happen against Carolina this week. Carolina's defense, even they have a decent pass rush, is not a great defense. So um, I think Jameis is a worthy stream play if you need one this week. 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he'll probably be the best quarterback the Panthers have played so far this year. You know, last week they they played. Um, why am I so bad with names right now? Uh, they played Daniel Jones, and then week one they played Jacoby Brissett with the Browns. Uh, Jacoby Brissett does look really good so far, but Jameis is going to be the best quarterback they've seen all year. So yeah, I think he's worth a stream. Far. But you know, what about Alvin Kamara? Limited, limit. He was limited at practice, dealing with a rib injury that kept him out of week two. Things seem to be moving forward. Um, obviously they're moving on cautiously. I don't know how I'd feel about starting him this week. How do you feel about it? I mean, I think you probably have to, if he, if he's playing, like you're not going to have that option to really sit him. Um, even though there's all that, you know, legal stuff hanging over his head, he was still generally a second round pick or an early third round pick. So you're going to have to play him. Um, the only concern is that a rib injury is one of those ones that like, it all comes down to pain tolerance and you never know what could happen. One hit to the ribs, you know, on the first drive, if he's feeling good and he gets one good lick to the ribs, he could be done the rest of the day. So it's concerning that way. But again, I think you, it's just a guy you have to start if he's on your team. Yeah. And in that instance, maybe keep an eye on Mark Ingram, who is the obvious RB two in that offense. Yeah, but he didn't um, Michael Thomas must start probably. Hold yeah. on, go, going, going back to Mark Ingram. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara was out last week, and Mark Ingram still only played thirty-seven percent of the snaps. He's got ten carries, but did not a ton with him, fifty-eight yards. Um, but that's a really low snap count for a guy who was the you know RB one for them last week. So I mean, with Kamara out, they used a lot of Taysom Hill, and so. If Kamara's out, I don't think I'm automatically throwing in Mark Ingram. And honestly, I'm not thinking. I would not throw in Mark Ingram right automatically. That's a good point to make, honestly. Yeah, when Kamara's out, Taysom Hill definitely does seem to have an uptick in usage. So, yeah, I mean, I think that wraps up the Saints. Let's talk about the Panthers' incredibly explosive offense. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of outside of Christian McCaffrey, I mean, who is there any Panther that you're trusting? I mean, DJ Moore has yet to really make a, a breakout. Robbie Anderson's struggling. Mayfield's struggling. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just a, it's CMC at this point, right? Yeah, it seems here, bus. I do want to say weird little stat, uh, you know, a little little tidbit here on stats with DJ Moore. Back-to-back weeks of six targets, three catches, 43 yards. Exact same stat line, week one and two. The only difference is that he scored a touchdown last week. Uh, I mean, Baker's only thrown two touchdowns so far this year. (laughs) I know. It's just kind kind of weird. (laughs) One of those weird little things that you're like, huh, I don't know how that happens. But um, but what what I'm essentially getting at with that, though, is that his usage is down this year compared to where it was last year um, with, you know, a mixture of quarterback play over there. Last year, his lowest targets for any game was seven, and he hasn't even reached that point in the two games this year. So that's concerning for me. And so DJ Moore probably should be benched um, until we see more production. Granted, though, it, I can understand if you had thrown your flex, you might not have a better option. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with that. I mean, him and Robbie, they're the obvious wide receiver one and two, 100% snaps. Uh, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, week one and week two, 93% snaps, both of them. They, they're, they're, you know, they're the guys who are on the field all the time. Yeah. So, and if I had to choose one, I'm going with DJ Moore, not the guy who tweeted about how much he doesn't like his new quarterback in the offseason. <laughs> hey, man. Robbie Anderson. I mean, but should yeah. anybody really believe Sideshow Bob? Hey, Sideshow Robbie. Yeah, it, it, it's DJ Moore if you're really going to take a chance on it. That's, I'm definitely with you on that one. So, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps That's up it. our early games. Starts and sits for week three. Um, we got another episode coming out for our late games, which would be you know the afternoon games, Saturday night football, Monday night football, and that'll have our start sits and also our starts of the week. I think that pretty much covers everything. If you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, it's at the FF Fathers on Twitter. We're pretty active on there. Interact with us. We'll talk fantasy football and all that good stuff. Make sure you like and subscribe. Five stars only. Five, five, five. Every single time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyways, that'll wrap up this episode. We'll catch you all later. See ya. Bye.